keep calm and carry on event for Church in the Valley. So if you would grab some to drink and dessert and take a seat at a table, that would be very helpful. That'd be great. Um, I wanted to start by just sharing that our goal for the night is to help us all gain perspective and some principles for dealing with anxiety and fear and to give some practical tools and some practices that we can use to take steps in the right direction as we begin to deal with anxiety in different circumstances. I know for me that knowing knowing the Lord has, has made all the difference in terms of dealing with anxiety, and I'm looking forward to the help that Nathan uh, shares with us this evening. Before we dive into the workshop proper, I'd like to make sure that uh, we've had an opportunity for everyone to meet one another at the tables that we're sitting at. And so at, at each table, if someone would volunteer to get the ball rolling, if that needs to happen, then that would be great. Uh, please share your name and your favorite place to eat dinner. That could be home or that could be somewhere else outside the home. But please share your name and your favorite place to eat dinner, and then I'll come back and lead us in a word of prayer before we get started. All right, hopefully you've had a chance to meet the others at your table. Uh, I'm, I'd like to lead us in a word of prayer as we get started. Dr. Nathan Lewis, we'll call him Dr. Lewis this evening, um, is going to be speaking to us and leading the workshop. He is currently the Director of Counseling Ministry at California Baptist University and has over 30 years of counseling experience. And beyond that, he's been a real gift to our congregation as he's helped many of us walk through different things that we're facing and dealing with, and that includes me as well. So I'm looking forward to what he has to share as we walk through this workshop. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, and we thank you for the opportunity to pause in, during the week like this to dig into uh, this issue that we face, that we deal with on a daily basis, really, as we walk through life and deal with circumstances. And I pray that, God, you'd give us really insight and help as we walk through this time, that you'd speak to us, that you'd help us put dots together, connect dots that would allow us to take steps that would uh, honor you and please you and help us to handle things in an effective way that allows us to move forward to do uh, what pleases you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Randy. Uh, good evening. It's good to see everybody. Um, this is a what, what we're going to do tonight is look at some things about uh, anxiety and fear and how to understand that in in order to um, to know how to really get a get a, a grip on it, a good grip on it, and. My desire, my hope is that that you would really leave here uh, with a better understanding of what that is and how to do that, even on a on a daily basis. 
Now, it's funny, I do this, uh, I do this a lot. I mean, I do this every day, uh, what I'm doing right now. But I've never been so anxious about a seminar <laughs> as I have been about this. So it's kind of, there's an irony in that. <clears throat> um, so it was, it was kind of easy for me to think about it, I suppose. Uh, several years ago, uh, when I was working in Fort Worth at Baylor University Medical Center's Outpatient Eating Disorder Clinic. That's a mouthful. Um, one of the things that I was doing is teaching stress management, but I was teaching it from the perspective of um, ideas that people have come up with about how to manage stress, like using a certain kind of breathing and, and those kinds of exercises and just stress management. And... Um, we were part of Hope Church in Fort Worth, and Harold Bullock, the pastor, called me up one day and asked if I'd be interested in teaching a seminar on stress management. And I thought my first thought was, great, I do this every day, I can do it. And he paused, and then he said, from a biblical perspective. And I went, oh, are you sure? I said, yes, but I, I really didn't understand what the Bible taught about that. Because you can't look in the Bible and find the word stress. Now, you can't find other things. So what I did, now I had several months to prepare for that. I just started looking through the Bible. And I had my whole list here of things that you do, you know, to manage stress that I was confident about, that I was teaching. And I I would go through that. And then I would read some things in the Bible. And I said, well, that's kind of a different perspective and understanding. And that's, that's really good. So I would cross this thing off that other list. And I kept doing that. By the time I was done, I didn't have that list anymore. And I had a different understanding from a biblical perspective. And that's kind of what I want to share with you tonight. I want to help you understand what anxiety is from a biblical perspective and give you some practical tools for implementing that understanding in your life, and I'm going, to, I'm going to be using the word anxiety, but I also mean I mean different things. I mean fear, trouble, um, worries, concerns, cares. I mean all of those words are used in the Bible interchangeably about uh, the same thing. So the first thing I want to do is just uh, give you an idea of what the Bible means by anxiety, uh, and just understanding what anxiety is, because you really can't begin to Get a grip on it until you understand what it is. Um, the first thing is that anxiety is a normal part of life. Or I guess another way to put it is, if you are anxious, you're alive. So that's one of the signs that you are alive. To be alive is to be, is to have some trouble. In fact, Jesus put it this way. I've told you these things so, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That's not a hard one to believe. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So that's something that's just a part of life, is that there is trouble. And with trouble comes some anxiety. And I'm going to read a long passage to you here, and I'm just going to read through it. And then make some comments about that because I'm going to be coming back to it throughout the the rest of the evening. Uh, Jesus is teaching. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And he is 
teaching a bunch of things about how life works from God's perspective, just how life works. And so he's he's talking about the cares of this world and how we're to think about them. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, I do want to comment on this. There are several places in the Bible where it says, don't worry. Now, when I read that, (laughs) I think, right, don't worry. Okay, I just won't worry. And then I think about not worrying, and I worry. Uh, But the Bible doesn't stop there. There's always, there's a don't worry, but instead do this. So wherever you see don't, there is a do. And we're going to talk about what the do is. So don't, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, uh, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So he's, he's asking a perspective question here. What is life about? And he makes the statement, life is about more than those things that are just really basic to living. But those are the things we worry about. But life is more than that. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? That's another thing we're going to talk about in a little bit. Just this perspective on life itself is connected to how we experience anxiety. So our view of life. Uh, And so he's asking the question here. Now, how many of you can change one minute, one second in your life by worrying? In other words, worry doesn't produce anything. It's completely nonproductive. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So another aspect of anxiety and in addition to our perspective on life is this thing of faith. And faith has to do with our understanding of and relationship to God. So that's something else we will talk about. Therefore, having said all of that, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, this would be non-believers. Seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. So there's a different approach to life. The different approach to life is seeking after those things to be okay or putting our focus on God who provides and knows what we need. So the the biblical idea here, how it's different than all of those stress management techniques that I learned, is that it begins with a certain perspective about what is most important in life and who we look to. And then this last, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then all of these things will be added unto you. All the things that, that he listed and talked about. 
And then finally, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. This is the other. Okay, stop worrying. It's another one of those. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Stop it. What he's saying. Knock it off. Uh, Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We could easily, we can all say yes to that. In other words, why are you so worried about tomorrow? Today is tough enough. There's enough trouble here. So it it really is uh, a normal part of life. Trouble is. And anxiety. But we get some clues that um, about how to understand anxiety and the perspective that we are to have about life. So that's a theme that I want to keep bringing up as we go through this. The goal here is not to eliminate anxiety or trouble, but to learn how to appropriately manage it. Uh, There is uh, one of the stated goals of professional counseling is the amelioration. They they have to use fancy words. It just means getting rid of. The amelioration, and makes you sound smart and educated, the amelioration of distress. That's the goal of counseling, to get rid of distress. Really? (laughs) How do you do that? That is not a biblical goal, actually. Biblical goal is in the midst of distress, in the midst of trouble, how are we to understand what life is about and how do we relate to God? And then that leads to um, what is called um, peace. So one of the things that oh, I want to uh, make another point here is that anxiety is related to our attitude toward the future. So it's, it's about all of life and it's about our relationship to God and it's, it is normal. It is a part of everyday life, but it is directly related most to how we think about the future. Um, particularly, uh, there's a phrase that we use, kind of two phrases. What if, so we we think, what if, what if, what if, so I'm just going to confess to you that tomorrow I am meeting with our tax guy. So what do you think my what if is? (laughs) Did I think of a what if? Now, it's not what if, we will owe money. The question is, what if... We owe a lot of money. What if I don't get credit for the things that I'm claiming? What if? There's a lot of what ifs. Well, I'm anxious about that. I just what if. You are what ifing about all kinds of things right now. Another, another version of that. Stay. Another version of that is if then or if only then. And that's about the future. So we, we, it's tied to the future. Because um, the future is where we are headed. This is where it produces anxiety. Two things are true. Anxiety, I mean, uh, the future is the only direction we're headed. And it is completely unknown. 
We have no idea whatsoever what the future holds. And that creates anxiety. I mean, that, because there's all kinds of what ifs in that. It's not, it's not guaranteed. So, whatever you're concerned with right now involves the future. And then, the nature of anxiety. And this is where we start getting into um, just how the Bible understands anxiety. And this is, a, this is one of those verses here that is packed with specific direction on how to cope with anxiety, how to view it, how to understand it. So, so I'm going to camp here a little bit. Um, and then we'll do an exercise related to this. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is one of those. Another, it's one translation. It says, don't worry. <laughs> don't be anxious. You know, there it is again. Stop it. Don't be anxious. But this gives us an instead. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is, uh, I'm going to break this down a little bit later. But the, it says, don't be anxious, but instead do this. So we're going to, look at the don't, and then we're going to look at the instead do this. But the opposite of anxiety from a biblical perspective is peace. But it's a certain kind of peace. So we're going to talk about that too. But in essence, you look at Matthew 6.24. I think I have 23 written down there. It should be 24. Um, it is the essence of, of anxiety or anxious. That word here, it, be anxious about anything, it literally means to be double-minded. Which is that blank that you have there. It means, be, it means to be double-minded. It is, it's not first and foremost feelings. It is a mindset. And it is to be torn in different direction. It is to be torn between competing demands. So I want to do a quick exercise here. Some of you have seen this before, but I need some volunteers. I need uh, five volunteers real quickly. You're not going to do anything stupid. You're not going to look dumb. You may feel dumb, but you're not going to look dumb. Uh, so just quickly come on up. Oh, that's great. All guys, this is cool. Okay. <laughs> They're brave. Okay, Ryan, come over here. You're a guest. I shouldn't do this to you. He is a former student of mine, so that I don't know what that means, but it means I can do something to him. Okay, um, can you kill my mic? Now, I want you to pay attention to Ryan. This is the biblical picture of anxiety. Go. I was reading this really cool article uh, earlier today about the differential impacts of inflation on different populations receiving uh, transfer payments from the government. 
Um, because the elderly receiving SSA, so, uh, the parents, the poor people on cash uh, aid, and the people on food stamps, they all experience inflation differently because they buy a different sort of divide. Did you just uh, that the game game It was incredible. The playoffs, right around the corner. The price of sharks in Ryan, by the way, that class that you thought you passed, you really didn't, and I'm happy to come back and take that issue. Okay, so. Okay, all right, thanks. Thank you, guys. Let's give him a hand. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. And I was kidding, Ryan. I don't even know if you heard me. Now, what were you guys feeling as you saw that? Did you feel stressed? Um, anybody here feel like that? You felt like that this week? You certainly felt like that before. So the idea is that you're being pulled in different directions and you're not sure what is most important and which direction to go. Everything seems equally important. It's, it's making a its uh, demands on you. And that's the word that is used. Do not be anxious. It really means don't be divided. Don't be overcommitted. Don't be juggling so many balls equally that, that you're constantly... And when I think of anxiety, the picture of anxiety is... Hopefully everybody here understands this reference. It's Kramer on Seinfeld. Where you're, it's kind of your inner, your inner Kramer, you know. Where you're, and that kind of goes up and down according to all those demands that are going on. Right? So one of the things I want to do is talk to you about how to pull that in. How to, focus, how to begin to manage all of those things around you, both internally and externally, Bible gives us some insight into how to do that. But, but first I want to talk about, oh, I already, I forgot I had this slide there. It's a cool slide too, because look at that. There it is. I feel like I have to stay there a little bit because it took a while to make that slide. And it just has to, okay, you need to appreciate it. Okay, but so here, <laughs> here are some other pictures that you can identify with. These, and I want you to look at the pictures first. And you have the descriptions down there. But look at the picture. And how many of you, this is, these are five common strategies for coping with that picture you just saw. So how many of you identify with the stewing picture? But identify with that? Okay, the stewing is ignoring, I'm sorry, repeatedly rehearsing to yourself, ruminating on. That's to yourself or with others where you're complaining to other people. Uh, what is wrong without doing anything about it? It's just you just keep thinking about it. You keep talking about it, thinking about it and nothing like, for example, uh, for several weeks now, man, I've got to do the taxes, man, I've got to do the taxes. And guess what I'm going to be doing tonight after this is over. OK. How many of you identify with this picture right here? <laughs> Raise your hand. So sticking your head in the sand, ignoring problems, hoping to go away, resolve or resolve themselves or magically work themselves out. Um, how many of you identify with hyper controlling? 
over-organizing your life and demanding that people rigidly comply with it so you feel better about what can't be controlled. Uh, what about catastrophizing? Anybody? Some of you have raised your hand with every one of these. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Exaggerating. What's the, no, no, that's true. Exaggerating. Hey, I identify with all these. Exaggerating what has, can, or will happen, and then rehearsing it repeatedly. This is making the mountain out of the molehill. Oh, my God. Anything could happen. And then reacting. How many of you identify with this? Yeah, that's getting inordinarily angry and upset, making sure everybody knows it also. Now, there's probably other ones that you could add to this. But none of these do anything about what is causing the anxiety. Because none of this takes care of the double-mindedness. You just stay stuck in that. So, how do we deal with it then? What, what is... Uh, I've, I've, just, I've made an acrostic out of calm. And it just worked out that way. It's also easy for me to think about it. So, this is what we're going to talk about the rest of the evening. Here, here are five approaches that the Bible talks about. Uh, confessing, that is being honest about what you're really going through. So it's, it's right here, Ryan, uh, just stopping and saying, wait a minute, <laughs> this is what's going on and this is what I'm feeling and this is not good. So just stopping it and admitting that. And, and then asking, calling upon God for his help, then looking, seeing beyond now to eternity, having an eternal perspective, and then managing your life, living your life with the right priority. So what we're doing here is we're going from the individual, smaller, what you're going through right now, to the bigger ideas about how to live your life in a way that helps, keeps this from just being a way of life, what you, what you saw up here. So, um, confess. This is about being honest what you're going through, being honest about your feelings. So you, you have these phrases here in the two passages we looked at. Have no anxiety about anything. Don't worry about. So it's just admitting, I am anxious. I am worried. This is what's going on. I, I said this last night. At home, I had got all kinds of stuff going on, had several things do all at once, including a seminar and other things. And I just said out loud to, to Tina, my wife, I'm panicking. I am, I'm kind of panicked right now. Actually, what I said to her was, Tina, I do not want you to respond to me right now. <laughs> don't, I don't need you to say anything to me. I'm just going to say out loud things that I'm feeling and... And then I will deal with it. And, she, and then she said nothing. And then I said, you're not going to say anything. <laughs> like, say something. <laughs> when I just told her not to say anything. Um, but see, the thing is, is we, we get caught up. We get caught up in the daily routine. Life keeps coming at us and we shift into kind of autopilot. And then we start experiencing stress. 
And before we know it, we're just overwhelmed by it. And then then we start those coping strategies that you saw. But what we need to do is acknowledge acknowledge what you're experiencing right now, what is stressful to you. And I want to I want to share a verse with you that's not on your it's not on the screen. It's not here. And that is Psalm 4610. It says and here, here's another one of the, it says, stop, <laughs> uh, be still, cease striving and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in earth. The picture here, and this is in the, this is in a chapter that's talking about all kinds of stuff happening in the world. Like ISIS and things like that, that that is threatening the people and, and war and those kinds of things. And he says in the middle of that, cease striving or stressing out. Stop stressing out. That word cease is the Hebrew word rafa. Some of you know what that word means. It means peace, the God of peace. And it literally means to sink. Or literally, relax. Actually, it's chill out. (laughs) Chill out and know that I am God. And I will be exalted. So, there's simultaneously, it's stop, cease, admit, chill out, relax, sit in your easy chair. (laughs) Just stop. Which, by the way, is what... For me, we call quiet times every where, you know, you meet with God in the morning or sometimes through the day where you just get away by yourself. That verse for decades is how I start my quiet times. Be still. Stop. Stop fretting and just. So it's stop focusing on this here and Set my focus on God. And that starts to calm things. So that is the first thing. And then two, two lists I want to show you very quickly. And then I want you to do an exercise uh, together. Um, there are macro sources of stress. And I mean, my, micro sources and macro. So I'm going to put all these up there. The micro sources are problems. Okay. House repairs, car repairs, income. And add to that list pressures, expectations, deadlines, finances, people. So relationship difficulties, conflicts, pains, health problems, aging, those kinds of things. So those are the micro things. Those are the things that, you know, in your life right now that are sources of stress. In case you didn't have all these categories. Here here it is. Uh, And then the micro sources are. Philosophy, questions about life and religion and politics would fall under that. Uh, purpose. Um, and it, I mean, philosophical, uh, political systems. Uh, protection, my own social security, retirement, crime, all of those things are more macro things. Politics, government, policies, and then perils, catastrophes, terrorism, global problems, wars, those kinds of things. And you put, in case you don't have enough to worry about on the micro, there is that macro that we worry about. So here's what I want you to do. 
I'm going to, you have in front of you a three by five card. And we are going to put um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 into practice here. So on the front of the card or on the one side of the card, I want you to, um, well, first of all, I want you to think about where you have the picture of that guy on there. You have this picture and you have these arrows. I want you to quickly write down five things that you're concerned about right now. And then I want you to choose one of those things. And on the front of that card, write, I am worried about. And then just write what that is. So I've given you an example here. I've written grading, taxes, house repairs, bills, class prep. I'm worried about preparing my taxes in the meeting tomorrow with my accountant. I'm worried I will owe a lot of money. So there it is. Go ahead and take a few minutes and do that. Now the idea is if you if you do this with everything that you're worried about, you can apply the same thing. But we're just going to take this one. And that so then the question is what what do we do with that? And that's what Philippians tells us. Let your request be made known unto God. So instead of worrying about that thing, and worrying about that thing is those strategies that we talked about before, sticking your head in the sand, reacting, uh, catastrophizing, or whatever else that you're doing. Instead of that, instead of what ifing and if onlying, instead of that, let God know your request. Ask God or First um, Peter 5. Uh, Six through seven says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. So there's several things here that that talks about. One is admitting that you are in need. So just stopping and saying, you know what? I, I need help. There's something I need. I just really need that. Uh, Maybe that's even admitting I need somebody else's help. So as I was talking about the taxes with Tina the other day, she graciously said, you know what? Is there anything I can do to help? I said, yeah, you can go through that folder with all the 2015 bills and all that stuff and just organize them. Sorry, Tracy, you weren't around. That she loves to do that, but uh, to organize. So I said, that would really help. Well, Tina did that. And man, it really helped. It really helped. So part of that is just asking for help, just realizing I need help. But first and foremost, asking God, casting, literally casting your cares on Him. Um, acknowledging and why we do that, though. Because God actually cares about us. So it's acknowledging that God cares and can meet my needs. I don't know about you, but it's really, really easy for me in the midst of life, particularly when certain things are happening, to feel like God just doesn't care. And relating to God from a sense of feeling ripped off by Him 
or entitled or just really frustrated rather than from the position of God cares. So one of the things I I want you to think about in a little bit is what difference does it make to take that thing that you wrote down and start from the position, the assumption that God actually cares? You know, what difference does that make in how I understand this, that he actually cares? He's not trying to rip me off. And then an attitude of gratitude with thanksgiving, not with a sense of entitlement or demanding. And then asking God to meet um, very specific needs. That is telling God specifically what what it is that you need. Um, So here's the second thing I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take that card and flip it over. And on the opposite side, write these two things. Write, God, I ask you, and then God, I thank you for. So just take that same thing that you have on the front that you are worried about. And God, so here's my example. God, help me fully prepare for the tax meeting and trust you, whatever the outcome is. So this is what I need. And then thank you for, thank thank. Thank you that you care for me and provide for us every need that we have and, and more. Yeah, I'd like for you to do something now with this in your, in the, at your table just to talk to each other. Um, and hopefully this is not too uncomfortable for you. Feel free not to participate in this. But I'd like for you to talk to each other about, go back to that list of the common ways that you cope, the things that you talked about. And talk about how that is different than what you just did with the card. And here, here's something I want to show you with the card. I want, you, I want you to take your card and I want you to look at the front. Take your card and hold it up and look at the front. Okay? And then I want you to turn it over and look at the back. Okay? Now I want you to look at the front and the back at the same time. Can you do that? Can you do it? No. So that's what that verse is saying. That verse is saying, don't dwell here, dwell here. So it's taking all of that, that that picture you saw of those guys around Ryan going at him. And it is saying to them, it is putting them aside and it is looking to God. And asking God to put all of that in its proper place. So instead of focusing on all of that, it is looking to, to God first and asking Him to calm you in the midst of all of that and understand what is most important. And asking for His peace that passes all understanding. And we're going to talk more about what that means in a little bit. But I want you to talk in your groups about the difference that that understanding makes, how that's different than those other common ways of coping. So take, take about five minutes to do that right now. Okay, okay let's come back together. Now, uh, we have about 30 minutes left together. I'm going to push through, but feel free to go ahead and get up and get some more coffee or cookies or whatever else. Uh, feel free to do that. Um, we're not going to stop and 
and take a break, but you're, you're not rude, being rude if you do that. So we've looked at the con- confess, so admit what is going on, and which is really stopping and looking at and admitting to yourself and being honest. I'm really going through this. I'm really experiencing this. I'm really feeling this. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not. And I've already moved into uh, my favorite way of coping. And it's just making things worse. So I need to stop and confess and admit what is going on. And then I need to direct my attention toward God. And just actually ask God to work in this situation and um, meet a specific need that I have. And then, this is, that is a practice that we need to develop on a regular basis, almost as a reflex. That anxiety cues us to be still and know that He is God. To stop and ask God, even in the moment, even as we're driving or relating to kids or spouse or, or, or a boss or a co-worker, to just stop and, and ask God to act in this uh, situation or to calm, to calm me or focus or whatever it is so that you can manage all of that noise and the, the demands that are going on around you. Then there are practical matters. One is a matter of perspective and then the other is a matter of stuff that you actually do. That's the look and then the manage. But look is about seeing beyond now to eternity with the idea that your Heavenly Father knows. Now, why does your Heavenly Father know that you need all of these things? One, He created you. But two, He lives in eternity So one of the things that this means is that we also have to develop an eternal perspective. And you see this in Paul's um, teaching in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians on the resurrection. He talks about what the resurrection is and how important that is to our faith. It is absolutely critical. In fact, he says that if Jesus didn't actually raise from the dead, then we are not... We, we can't possibly be redeemed. That's how important it is. And then he makes this statement because he has committed his life, he has based his life on the belief that the resurrection is real and that has cost him all kinds of trouble. His life has been threatened many, many times. He's been in and out of prison. He, he has, uh, you know, committing his life to Christ did not make his life easier. It made it far more difficult. And so he makes this statement. Look, you guys, if the resurrection is not true, then we are pathetic. We are of all people most miserable because we are living our lives as if it's true and we have all this trouble coming our way because of it. So in other words... If we, if I am not focused on eternity, then what I'm doing right now makes absolutely no sense. 
So he's saying, I am not focused. The reason why I can cope, the reason why I can handle everything that I'm going through is because Jesus really, really did raise from the dead. Which means that life is not about now. It's about eternity. And no matter what happens now, everything is going to be made right in eternity. So the eternal perspective is the idea that um, the things that are eternal are eternal and the things that are temporal are temporal. And the things that are eternal come from God, come from eternity, including His Word. What God has said about reality is eternal. What mankind, men and women, philosophize and say about how life really works is not eternal. It is temporal. So we hear all kinds of things from the world about what life is really all about. And all of it has to do with this life. So for example... One of the things that we hear repeatedly, and I'm, I think about this a lot because I'm at that age, constantly, I hear it all the time, it's retirement, 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 retirement. Well, I hear two things. I hear the weekly retirement. What is that? It's the weekend, okay? <laughs> I can't wait till the weekend. Oh, thank God it's Friday. Because see, we work in order to rest. Actually, God tells us to rest so that we can work. It's really different. It's a different attitude. We are, we are to rest so that we can keep doing those things. We can have the, the, the energy and all of that to do the things that really count. And then the long version of that is we work until we can just not work anymore and just play. And so there is this idea that retirement is what it's about. But that, that there is an eternal perspective, though, that we don't retire until we're on the other side. <laughs> from this life, that is. Uh, from the things that God wants us to. I really appreciate uh, people who have that perspective in my life. They give me hope. Watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. So we're not to be weighed down by the cares of this life that the day may suddenly come. So here, here I want to give you a little bit of an eternal perspective here. And then I want you to talk about the difference that this makes in the way you see that particular problem that you wrote down. So the eternal perspective is this. Time and space are temporal. There is a beginning and an end to it. There is a beginning and an end to time and space. And God created time and space. God exists outside of time and space. And time is linear. And space is limited. So time is like this. It just keeps moving forward. You can't go back and you can't go forward. I mean, you can't, you can't stay where you're at. You're always moving forward. That's the way it is. It's, it is linear. 
God is outside of time. So for God, God doesn't exist in a linear fashion. So I want to blow your mind a little bit. And there's, there's nothing in the Bible that says what I'm about to say to you. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things. One, I'm going to tell you uh, something that my dad used to, my dad was a pastor and he, when he would talk about eternity, he would use this illustration to describe it. And I remember sitting there as a little kid listening to this the first time I heard it. So, okay, I want you to imagine, if you want to know what eternity is, imagine that every 10,000 years, God sends a dove, it has to be a dove, sends a dove, and that dove picks up one grain of sand from the beaches all over the world, every 10,000 years. By the time all of the sand is gone, eternity would not have even begun. I remember as a kid going, wow, that's a long time. But see, we're using time to describe something that is outside of time. There is no beginning and no end to it. And that's where God exists. So what difference does that make now? The difference that that makes now is, okay, this is, this is where it will blow your mind. Okay. So you're here somewhere and you're moving forward and you're worried about the future, right? But the future you're worried about is really time. Not the eternal future. It's still time. So you're worried about time future. But see, God exists outside of that. So God has already seen your future. Actually, if you really want to get crazy, you've already died and you're with him from his perspective. I know. Wrap your mind around that. It's one of those Star Trek space-time continuum things that just doesn't make sense. But that's because, in other words, God is way, way, way bigger than time that he invented. He funked it up. He created it. So if you're wondering whether or not God has got your back for the future, when God says to you, don't worry, but just talk to me and and my peace, don't worry. He's not saying that from a time perspective. He's not saying, don't worry, I'm going to make everything work out in this time exactly the way you want it to, and then you'll be okay. No, he's saying, you have no idea how good things are going to be here when you are with me in eternity. So trust me and don't worry about it. Does that make sense? See, we're not, when we talk to God about these things and we ask him, We're not asking him to make this okay. We're not asking, though he wants to. He wants to, he wants us to trust him in the midst of it. And he does want us to have the best kind of life here. But ultimately what he wants is to trust him no matter what happens. He is still trustworthy. That's an eternal perspective. So we can face whatever is happening to us, whatever we're anxious about, whatever our time future is. 
because God has something for us in eternity that he has promised. And he will make good on that promise. No matter what happens here. That's an eternal perspective. And that's the perspective. You actually can't understand the New Testament without understanding that perspective. Some of the things that that Paul wrote and Peter wrote and all this just don't make sense (laughs) from this perspective here. But they make all kinds of sense from that perspective. Uh, Space, just another one. Space is, we we think three-dimensional because that's all we can. We try to speculate about more dimensions. You know, they make movies about that and everything, but we have to use three dimensions to do that. Well, God's at least four since he created three. I heard a scientist, I don't know where they got this from. It doesn't really mean anything because God had me at four dimensions. I mean, that's mind-blowing enough. Speculated that God's at least ten dimensions. Well, okay, that's, yeah. But even four dimensions we can't imagine. I know that that means that when we are in eternity and we have the spiritual body that Jesus had, we're going to be able to walk through walls because he did. And that's beyond three dimensions. Well, that's where God is. So let me tell you what that means literally for us right now. What's the so what of that? God's not limited at all by anything that we are limited by. Nothing. Nothing. And it means that God is right here, right now. God's not up there, out there. God's actually right here, but he's in another dimension. But he's here. Um, Dallas Willard does a really good job of explaining that in his, in his books that he writes about practicing the presence of God and just really seeing what that means. That's an eternal perspective. God's outside of time and space. And yet, eternity invaded time and space. God can do that. See, we can't get there, but he comes to us. And he is, he is our ever-present help in time of trouble, Scripture says. So an eternal perspective is not that God's out here and we're just waiting to meet him. It's that Eternity is here with us right now in God's presence. And we have, we have access. We are connected to eternity. When we understand that, that is calming in the midst of the storms of life. That is calming. So he really can. So that means that we approach the future this way. Time future, that is. We approach it with Lord willing. So this says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. How many how many of you or how many times or when was the last time? And you can't raise your hand to any of those. But uh, this is a rhetorical thing. How many times and how recently had, did you say we're going to do this tomorrow? I'm going to do this. And this is going to happen and we're going to do this and it's going to be great. And Anybody done that recently? 
See, what is in that is, I, I've got it. I have, I have got the future. I know exactly what is going to happen. And we begin to bank on that and actually demand it. Yet, here's the truth. Uh, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Stop and think about that. I mean, you have, you have no idea what tomorrow will bring. If anxiety is related to the future, it's because we don't know what it will bring. And we pretend as if we do. Actually calls that arrogance. We don't even have the ability to predict the weather. It was supposed to rain yesterday, and I don't know who to talk to about that, because it didn't, and they were just wrong. So they need they need to be in trouble for that. Uh well, what is your life? Now, as if tomorrow's not enough, then it asks, okay, you guys, let's get real. I mean, what is your life? It's a mist that appears for a while, a little time, and then vanishes. Now, the older you get, the more you understand that. It, it accelerates. Time kind of accelerates, and you go, where in the world did the last 10 years go? Where in the world, you know, my, my mom, the year anniversary of my mom's death was last week. And there was a time when I thought she would be here, who knows, forever. Now it's been a year since she's been gone, almost two years since my dad. And I'm, I think, how did I get here? I mean, it really is. So what it's about is... Making the most of the days that we have count. Making those count for the right things. Um, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Then we are to live in the present in light of eternity. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to span? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is is its own trouble. So we're to live now with eternity in mind, not time future. Which means that we focus on that which is most important for eternity's sake in the now. Uh, Good. Heard somebody say something years ago that was really helpful to me, that for most people, time, uh, today has been crucified between two thieves, yesterday and tomorrow. We let the past and we let the future rob us of the, the joy of the present. Uh, so the question is, what does God want me to do today, right now? What is most important in that? Um, if you, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So that's that eternal perspective. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So I'd like for you to discuss at your table. Take about five minutes to do this, uh, and then we'll wrap it up with the last thing. What difference would an eternal perspective make? in how you view and approach the need you wrote down on your card. 
Just talk about that right now in your, in your, at your table. We have, we have five minutes left. And if you look at the last page, there's a lot of things on here. I don't want you to be anxious about that. I actually planned this. Uh, I did the things that I did first because those were most important. And in order to encourage you and kind of whet your appetite to take this last page on your own and look up the scriptures and work through that. But I just I do want to talk through these, beginning with that first one, especially seeking first the kingdom of God. Seek. Uh, sorry, I have it memorized in a different version. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So if you think back to that group of guys that were up here and Ryan in the middle and all of that. This is stopping and seeking kingdom things and then putting all of those other things in their proper place according to that. Which means being able to say no to some things. But I want to look at some practical things here. This practical list. There's ten things here. But these are 10 practical things that need to be a habit in your life that will do two things. It will help you to continue to keep calm and carry on, but also to to minimize the anxiety that you have. So where you begin to um, uh, become more skilled, I suppose, is the right word, at uh, putting kingdom things first. So continuing to trust God. There's several verses there that talk about that. Leaning on Him. Knowing that uh, uh, His perfect peace really keeps us. Then staying within your circle of responsibility. So what that means here, Galatians says, examine your own work and don't really don't take on the responsibility that is somebody else's. So, in that circle here of those guys, it's deciding, you know what? You're not my responsibility. Leave. <laughs> Stop. I don't, I'm not going to listen to you. Because that's not my responsibility. No, I don't mean being rude. I'm saying in your just making that decision. Focus on what needs doing now. This is being faithful in the little things. Um, and just uh, so focusing on, okay, instead of we have a tendency to look at, oh, man. I have all of this to do. And then we we see the entire thing rather than say, okay, what do I need to be faithful to right now to do? And then do it. And then do the next thing. And then do the next thing. That is that's a just a a practice that will help to manage it. Taking care of your health, it really matters to do that. Uh, your body is a temple. It's not your own, so there's a stewardship of your body. And that that uh, gives us energy to do things. There are all kinds of things that are related to that. Consider others. So in in our lives, doing things with having other people in mind and what they need, not just what we need. Uh, be flexible with your plans. You need to not be rigid with your plans. <laughs> to make plans, but really it's God who directs your paths. And being flexible and open to opportunities, that's part of planning your day and scheduling. Uh, make real, reality checks. The Proverbs there says, A fool doesn't delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. <laughs> so in other words, 
doesn't live in reality. Doesn't care what anybody else says is true. It's heading for the cliff and everybody says, you're headed for the cliff. And he goes, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Uh, eighth one is relate to that. Be willing to ask for help. Proverbs, that verse says, the way of a fool seems right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to counsel. Um, I'm not going to ask for directions. I know exactly where I'm going. Uh, and then all kinds of things happen because of that. Learn to be satisfied with what you need, not what you want. And, and So just learning to, that's what Paul talks about. He learned contentment, not speaking from want, but to be content with what uh, God has given. And then uh, express gratitude. Uh, in everything give thanks, Thessalonians says, and we are to... With thanksgiving, let God know our request. So there's this attitude of gratitude, not entitlement. Anyway, those are practices that really help us to keep calm and carry on. And I hope this has been a help to you. Uh, there's a, there, this is a huge topic. And I wanted to focus on just being practical and help you develop a habit and begin to think about those. But you really need to look at the, the other things that are going on that may contribute to that that you need to learn. And we'd be glad to help you with that. Randy, you wanted to Thank you. have the last word. Thank you very much, Nathan. That was, that was very, very helpful. I really appreciate that. There is a response card on the table in front of you, I believe. And uh, if you're our guest, we have some ways that you can plug in to Church in the Valley in the coming weeks. Uh, there's the message series we're doing right now called Epic Story. Uh, that's at Sundays right here at 10 a.m. And then we're having a picnic after worship here on Sunday, beginning at 1130. We'd love for you to join us there. And there's a there's a line that says, I will apply this workshop by. How about this? I think this would be very helpful. There there may be we want to look back, look back at the whole thing and decide some steps you're gonna to take to put this into practice. But I think it might be helpful for for Nathan if you put the most applicable thing you got tonight. I think that'd be helpful to see. So if you think through, what was the thing that really, aha, that uh, you got from being here tonight that was very, very helpful to you? That'd be interesting. And then if you put your name and email on there, that'd be great and a help for us. All right. Thanks for taking the time to fill that out. If if you would wrap that up and then maybe... Someone at the table, collect them and stack them on the table. We'll come by and pick those up uh, as soon as we're finished. And also, just to let you know, we're going to be need to be breaking down fairly quickly after uh, we break here. Uh, but feel free to go ahead and connect. We have plenty of time. We just we have some work to do to break everything down and get it out uh, of here in time. So we'll be starting to scurry around fairly quickly to do that. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth in your word that really does give us such a different perspective and allows us to rise above our circumstances and what we're dealing with in everyday life and see things 
uh, from your vantage point. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness and sharing your word with us. I pray that you give us the strength and the ability to step out to follow you in, in the ways that you've shown us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.